Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode here on the 5571 Podcast. My name is Danny, and on this podcast, we talk about all things Disneyland Resort, especially, um, you know, news and updates, of course, but we also cover other theme parks, too, like Knott's Berry Farm, Universal, and, of course, Walt Disney World Resort. And speaking of which, I wanted to thank you all for hanging in there during the little hiatus. Uh, I took a little vacation uh, for myself away from all kind of podcasting, YouTube, all that kind of stuff, um, over to Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida for a quick week getaway. Um, so I'm back now, and this episode is posting on its normal day of Tuesday. So thank you so much for your patience and waiting through that. I hope you do enjoy this episode. And if you do like the episode, make sure you're, of course, subscribed to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to. And of course, share it out if you want to and feel inclined to do that on any of your social media, or you can uh, leave a comment uh, or review on any of the podcast platforms you're watching on as well, too. But let's go ahead and get started into our new segment. Of course, if you're new to the podcast on 5571, we talk about all the news, latest news, at least for me, that's happened from the last episode up until now. Uh, And then, of course, uh, our main topic for the day, our Main Street topic, which we'll get to later on. And I wanted to, for the most part on the Main Street topic, talk about my trip and what that was like. So a lot of people had a lot of questions about that. A lot of the questions I received were actually around that. So I'll answer a few of those questions and then kind of go into my experience too on some of the other things I did that were new this particular trip. But first, let's get into the news. Starting first over at Walt Disney World, this actually broke while I was there at Walt Disney World, which was awesome. Uh, back in uh, on May 8th, actually, we got some awesome new updates that are coming to Walt Disney World in 2024. And for those that have been going to Walt Disney World for a really long time, you'll be excited to see some of these um, some of these updates that we're getting are actually things that are coming back that we used to have. So the biggest and probably most anticipated update that we got was that Disney dining plans are coming back to Walt Disney World. So Disney Resort hotel guests who purchase a vacation package starting with stays beginning January 9th, 2024, will have the option to add Disney quick service dining plans or the regular Disney dining plan. Now, in the past, the quick service dining plan gave you two different quick service meals that you could redeem throughout the day, as well as um, like one or two snacks um, as well credits that same day. So, um, and every day you would get those credits refreshed during the length of your stay or your vacation package. And then the regular Disney dining plan was essentially the same thing, but you got one quick service dining plan, one table service dining plan credit, and then some snacks credits as well too. Now, we don't have any specifics other than just what I had just shared with you. So they're going to have the option to add the dining plan again. Um, Disney used to offer the dining plan complimentary during certain times of the of the year before. Um, no word on if that's coming. We don't have any pricing. We don't have details if snack credits are even a thing anymore. So we would have to probably assume so. If you've ever been to Walt Disney World, and if you're a guest that's ever been before or a frequenter, you know the Disney Dining Plan logo. It's a little purple logo, and you find it a lot on menus all over the parks there. Well, when I was there, even in their newer restaurant locations, they've added that little purple logo next to things that normally would indicate, hey, you could use your snack credit on this item. Um, Those were never taken away. And in fact, some of the newer restaurants that came out or debuted after the Disney Dining Plan had gone away um, even got some of those little icons. So I would imagine, um, that the snacks are coming back simply because those are all still in place. So we'll have to kind of wait and see on that one, but that's probably one of the biggest new changes. That's super awesome and amazing that everyone's been really highly anticipating coming back. So dining plan coming back to Walt Disney World Resort. We'll have to update you again once we know pricing on that. Uh, Another big change coming to Walt Disney World Resort is they're removing all theme park reservation requirements for date-based tickets. So if you're buying a one-day ticket, two-day, three-day, four-day, whatever, if you're actually buying it for a specific date, um, it no longer requires a reservation. And I feel like this is just always something that should have been the place for tickets, right? If you're buying a date-based ticket, it seems like you would want to make it, uh, you know, for that same, like you're going to be going that day anyway, right? It made, didn't make sense that you then had to make that guest make a reservation for that same day in addition to buying the ticket that was valued for that day. So it was a little confusing for some and it made, I guess, a little bit of a barrier of entry for guests that maybe were used to how things were and then now had this new version of it 
and it was probably a, a point of contention for a lot of guests uh, and a source of complaints, I would imagine. So these are all changes they've made based on feedback. So it's trying to make it a little bit easier is what the update said. So if starting on that day in January 9th, 2024, if you have a reservation or a ticket, excuse me, um, for a specific date that you're buying for, you don't need a reservation. You can just go on the date of that ticket. Another change coming over there too is going to be for annual pass holders and cast members. They're going to have now new good to go days, um, which some of us that had the flex pass here over at Disneyland Resort, you might be familiar with this term, but essentially a good to go day is a, maybe an off peak day or a midday weekday where they don't anticipate as high of a crowds as they do on like a Friday, Saturday or Sunday, or maybe like a midsummer day. Um, they're going to basically give you those for free um, outside of needing a reservation. So if you have an annual pass or if you're a cast member at Walt Disney World um, and you're wanting to go on the parks on those specific days, they're not going to require a reservation. You could just show up and go right on in. So those are going to be called good to go days. Um, and like I said, the flex pass here back in the day at Disneyland used to have similar things. You'd have to make reservations to go to parks on certain days. But they also had good to go days where you could just go with your pass and didn't need to make a reservation. So they're going to have those again over at Walt Disney World um, for cast members and annual pass holders. And finally, two more updates from that group of updates for Walt Disney World. The next one being more park time for Disney Resort Hotel guests. So essentially those extra magic hours before and after park closing um, will be available to Disney Resort Hotel guests once again. This kind of went away during the whole reopening period of the parks after the pandemic closure. So essentially, they're going to have those extended um, early entry hours for all Disney Resort Hotel guests. Um, they've kind of been doing that a little bit, but now they're going to bring that back even more than what they had kind of way before the shutdown. So they're going to have the early entry again for all Resort Hotel guests. And then they're going to have some extended evening hours for guests at the resort hotels, but guests that are staying at the more expensive resort hotels. So the Disney Deluxe Resort Hotels and the Disney Deluxe Villa. So those Vacation Club Villa Resort Hotels, um, they're going to have extended hours afterwards for those particular hotels. So a little bit of a different change. They're bringing it back slowly in like a different way. Um, before in the past, extra magic hours for were for all hotel guests. Um, but um, when they're bringing it back now, it's a little bit different, right? Early entry for all hotel guests, later extended hours for um, guests staying in the nicer hotels. And then the last one is planning ahead with Disney Genie Plus service. So of course, Disney World had the Fast Pass Plus service available to them prior to their visit in the past, which allowed guests to make Fast Pass reservations for their park of choice on the specific day they were planning to go months in advance before their trip. Well, now guests can um, do that again, hopefully soon. No specifics on what. They're just saying that guests will be able to make selections with Disney Genie Plus and with individual Lightning Lane prior to their visit so they can spend more time with their friends and family in the park. The big annoyance right now is that even though hotel guests at Walt Disney World do get an early chance to buy Lightning Lanes and or make Genie Plus Lightning Lane selections, they have to wake up at 7 a.m. on the day that they're trying to do this. Now, it's not exactly a relaxing vacation if you're making your hotel guests, especially hotel guests that are paying a lot of money to stay at those deluxe resort hotels, wake up every day at 6.55 in the morning to refresh their app to make selections every single day before their trip. They want to sleep in, they want to enjoy their vacation, and waking up every day at 6.55 isn't exactly relaxing. So, I feel like that the way that they're doing it now is not the best way to reward and incentivize their hotel guests. It is a little bit of an incentive incentive to get early, get up early and uh, book before the rest of the guests can. But I feel like making your guests wake up at 6.55 to refresh the app is a little bit of a punishment rather than an incentive. So it'll be nice for these hotel guests to be able to plan in advance before their trip and have that confidence going into their vacation that they can ride those attractions and experiences they wanted to do before they even get there um, and know that the trip will be worthwhile if they're really wanting to hit a specific thing. And of course, we got all those updates for Walt Disney World. And again, those are all the ones I just stated coming in 2024. So these don't apply to any trips that are happening in 2023. Um, none of these rules apply to Disneyland Resort either. This are just for Walt Disney World Resort. 
Hopefully we see some of these updates come to Disneyland Resort, especially the good to go days for annual pass holders and cast members. And of course, also um, removing theme park reservations for tickets. I feel like that's a no brainer for guests that are paying top dollar for those tickets. It just doesn't make sense to make them also have to make a reservation for their tickets on top of buying a date-based ticket. So hopefully we can cross our fingers and get some news just like this for Disneyland right around the corner. And next, some news over at Disneyland Park. We've already talked about this on this podcast, but I want to keep bringing it up just to make sure people are aware so they can get their last rides in. And that's going to be over at Disneyland Park for Splash Mountain. Splash Mountain is going to have its last day of operation on May the 30th and will be officially closed on May 31st so that Imagineers can begin reimagining the attraction to Tiana's Bayou Adventure and bringing in Tiana's Foods and letting that take over the attraction. Um, I tried to experience actually the attraction last weekend with the Mouse Vibes, and um, it was a pretty bad experience. Not only was our lightning lane line backed up to like 35 minutes, um, probably because the attraction had broken earlier in the day, causing a backup of lightning lanes. Um, but by the time we actually got on the attraction, um, it broke down <laughs> while we were on it. And we had to wait for quite a while, actually, uh, to get escorted off the ride um, as they weren't able to recover the attraction while we were on it. So um, hoping that next weekend goes more smoothly. I'd love to get a final on-ride footage of it uh, for one more trip through. Um, I'm trying to also be there um, later in the evening on May the 30th on the final day just to kind of show you guys what that's like. Uh, and of course, all these videos and things will be posted on my YouTube channel, Just Ask Danny, if you don't already subscribe to me there. Um, but again, um, this is important not only because um, this is an attraction a lot of people grew up with, but not only that, but it's the only major water ride at Disneyland. Um, so this summer, keeping cool at Disneyland is going to be a little bit more difficult. Of course, you can get wet on rides like Pirates of the Caribbean, maybe. Um, and a little bit of water on, um, you know, maybe Matterhorn when you're doing your splashdown at the end. And of course, the little play areas in Toontown. But other than that, it's going to be a little bit harder to stay cool at Disneyland without a major water attraction. Or you can head across the way over to Disney California Adventure Park for Grizzly River Run um, and things like that. So something to keep in mind, um, there just won't be a water attraction at Disneyland for a little bit as they work on reimagining the amazing new version that's coming soon. Um, and there's a lot to look forward to, right? Uh, we know Tiana's Bayou Adventure will be um, opening late 2024. Um, so we'll probably quickly see them move forward on this attraction and getting started. Uh, there's a lot of work to do, but I think there's probably a lot of work they've already done off-site on different animatronics and things like that. So they're probably going to get moving real fast on this. Everything they've been doing at Walt Disney World for their version of the attraction, which is already under construction, has been moving really quickly. I personally myself saw the attraction construction when I was there on my vacation, and I was shocked at how much was actually already done and how much was deconstructed on the exterior of Splash Mountain. So we'll continue to keep an eye on this, and um, hopefully I'll be at Disneyland this weekend to give you an in-person kind of... Uh, look at everything that's going on and all the updates for Disneyland so that you guys have that video for next week. We have some additional news, of course, at Disneyland Park in regards to Fantasmic, which we have now found out that shows will remain paused until at least May 28th. So um, we have this date from Disneyland listed on their website. Um, they said that they are working hard to assess when they can bring back a show um, or an adjusted show as quickly and safely as possible. So we know it's going to be back in an adjusted form, most likely without the dragon, but there's also other effects underneath the stage in that area as well too, like the Aladdin um, props that are used. There's um, some Evil Queen props that are used there. Maleficent has other props that are used when they do alternative versions of that dragon segment. Um, so we don't know exactly what was affected down there other than just the Maleficent Dragon. So we'll have to wait and see how the show actually returns when it does. At this point, Disney is giving us a date at least until May 28th, but they've already pushed it back one time. So, um, I would say if you have trips planned 
after May 28th, you might be in the clear, but we just don't know yet. So we'll have to keep checking on that and seeing as we get closer to the date, if Disney decides to push it back one more time. And since we are officially in the month of May, I wanted to make sure that all of you are aware again of grad nights. We are in grad night season now that we are in May and they go through June. Um, so grad nights take place on May 12th, 14th, 17th, 19th, 21, 24, 25, 30th, and 31st. Now keep in mind, grad nights happen at Disney California Adventure Park. Uh, they don't happen at Disneyland Park. However, they do have a mix-in period where they're able to go to both parks um, and mix in with regular guests. And then once Disney California Adventure Park closes a little bit earlier to the public, the grads take over Disney California Adventure Park for the remainder of their grad night event. Now for the month of June, it's just a few dates with June 2nd, 4th, 7th, 9th, 14th, and 16th. So keep that in mind if you have any trips coming up, plan on any of those days especially May 30th and 31st, that's going to be the final weekend of Splash Mountain there. So um, that's going to be a very busy time at Disneyland. Keep in mind that Splash or that Disney California Adventure Park will be closing early for grad night. And you may notice a little bit more crowds of younger people in the evening as they mix in with guests over at Disneyland Park before they have to head on over to Disney California Adventure. Usually they stay right up until the fireworks and then kind of walk over as a group to Disney California Adventure Park. Also in Disneyland Park, the Matterhorn bobsleds uh, remains closed through June 1st. I just wanted to mention that one too. A lot of people were surprised to see it closed, but it did close back on April 17th, um, and it's going to be closed all the way through June 1st. And then keep in mind, we've talked about it on the last episode as well too, that in early June, all three of those major attractions, Peter Pan's Flight, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, and Alice in Wonderland will be closing. We have new information in regards to that, though. We know how long at least two of the rides are going to be closed. Mr. Toad's Wild Ride will reopen just 10 days later along with Alice in Wonderland, so they'll be closed June 5th through June 15th for Mr. Toad's Wild Ride and Alice in Wonderland and Fantasyland. Peter Pan's Flight will also close on June 5th, but we don't currently have at this time, a reopening date for it. So it is not scheduled to reopen on the 15th, at least as of now. So um, if you want to get those attractions in, make sure you're riding them prior to June 5th or after June 15th, at least for those other ones. But there's a lot of random closures going on that people just don't know about. Um, so keep that in mind. Matterhorn bobsleds all the way through June 1st, so the rest of this month. Um, and then, of course, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, Alice in Wonderland, and Peter Pan's Flight. Next up, we have a little bit of sad news coming to you from Disney California Adventure, and that was that Nutmeg, the Disneyland cat, has unfortunately passed away. Uh, she was a very well-known and famous Disneyland cat, spending most of her time over at Grizzly Peak area in Disney California Adventure Park. In fact, she was so famous uh, with some of the guests there, as well as the cast members, that if you've ever been to the Magic Key Terrace, which was the exclusive terrace upstairs above the Wine Country Trattoria restaurant for Magic Key holders, the upper right-hand side of the Magic Key Terrace, which is like the smaller kind of private bar of it um, adjacent to the main area, which is more themed to like peacocks, they actually have um, a cat theme in this area, and there's decorative tiles on each of the columns uh, for the terrace that grows above or that is built above that area of the bar. And on those columns, there's decorative tiles um, that are themed to the kind of calico cat or, you know, multicolored cat that was Nutmeg um, in her honor. Actually, the Imagineers did that. And then beyond that, of course, the bartenders and cast members that work at Magic Key Terrace even created an off-menu drink in tribute for Nutmeg. Now, all of these things were in place, of course, before she passed away, um, but I would imagine they're going to stick around now um, in her honor. It's a sad thing because uh, a lot of guests and cast members knew her, um, but her legacy will live on not only in the decor of that portion of the Magic Key Terrace, but in that off-menu drink if it continues to stick around. 
And across the way over at Knott's Berry Farm in Buena Park, California, I wanted to mention um, some of the events that are coming over there this summer. Now, we just finished up the Boys and Mary Festival and its extended run, which I was so happy that they did. But coming up soon this month, May 26, is going to mark the beginning of Ghost Town Alive as well as Knott's Summer Nights. Now, both of these events simultaneously happen. Uh, Ghost Town Alive happens throughout the day, and then Knott's Summer Nights, of course, takes over in the evening. Now, um, when the event first begins in the late May and going through June and July, it's going to be a daily occurrence happening every single day, both events, etc. But as the event gets closer to ending, um, towards the end of the event, before they start winding down at the end of summer and start to prepare for fall, and of course, not scary farm, uh, the event becomes a weekend only type thing. So make sure, depending on when you're planning your trips to Knott's Berry Farm, that you check the calendar just to make sure you're visiting on one of the days that this event is taking place. Definitely don't miss Ghost Town Alive. It's so much fun. And there's a lot of really cool new food coming to Knott's Summer Nights as well, too. But in addition to that, supposedly Knott's has announced that Fiesta Village, their renovation and reimagining of that little bit of a dated land back there in Knott's Bay Farm is going to be mainly reopening on that same day, May 26th. So we're going to see some brand new food locations, some new shopping locations, of course, all new decor and themed areas. We've seen a lot of the stuff already revealed in parts of Fiesta Village, but it'll be exciting to see it all kind of come together as one big brand new location. Some things that aren't going to be returning when the land opens in May is going to be Montezuma's Revenge. Now they're redoing this attraction to an all new version. And unfortunately, there's been some sort of delay there that they haven't disclosed just yet. Um, and actually, I saw it in person not that long ago, and there really hasn't been any work done there. So there has to be some sort of maybe logistics to, uh, delay or parts delay, not sure, but there's a lot of work left to be done there. And if I were to guess, I would say it doesn't even look like it's probably going to happen this year. So it's probably a 2024 thing for Montezuma's Revenge. Um, but the ver the new version of the attraction is poised to be a really exciting new addition um, with, you know, new launch sequences where you don't know if you're going forward or backward. So it's going to be really fun and exciting. And I can't wait actually to try that one. It was one of my favorite rides at Knott's before. Uh, so I'm excited to see the new version of it when it does come, but so many new things coming to Knott's all on May 26th. So if you're going to Knott's Berry Farm this summer, or have plans, there's going to be a lot to do. So definitely check out their website and uh, hopefully we get a food guide soon for Not Summer Nights. And that wraps up our 5571 news segment for this week's podcast episode. But I wanted to talk next for our Main Street topic all about my trip that I just had to Walt Disney World and sharing my experience with you. People had a lot of questions about it, and I wanted to take a moment to take those questions sort of have a Q&A answer moment on this podcast, as well as talk about my experience with using a new airline. I actually took this opportunity on this trip since it was more of a, a friend trip, you know, just me and my friend headed over to Walt Disney World. Um, I wasn't going there on a family trip where like, there's a lot of time schedules and a lot of things planned in advance. It was more of like a, hey, let's just go and see what it's like and have fun while we're there. No real plan in play other than a few things that we really wanted to do, but nothing that was super time sensitive. So I figured, hey, I'm going to try a new airline. And if things don't go good, uh, well, that's okay, because it's more of like a fun trip and a solo trip anyway. So I'll go ahead and try it out. A lot of social media influencers, TikTokers, Instagram people, YouTube have been talking about this airline. Um, it's been making its waves on the social media spaces, like I mentioned, and um, I wanted to give it a shot more specifically um, because of the kind of flight it offered. So let's go ahead and get into all that for our 5571 Main Street topic. So let's first get into the travel experience. Now, for this particular flight, like I mentioned, I wanted to book something new, something I hadn't done before. Now, typically, whenever I travel from the West Coast to the East Coast, I always fly Delta. In fact, almost all the time, I always fly Delta. Um, they have excellent customer service. Um, I know if I'm booking a flight on Delta, my on-time arrival um, rate is going to be pretty high. There's rarely, if ever, any delays. Um, it's just a really good, consistent experience. I think when you're traveling and there's some anxiety at hand already with traveling, um, having confidence in your airline getting you to your destination is 
pretty key, and I feel like Delta's kind of up there amongst all the others uh, when it comes to um, on-time arrival rates, etc. So I've been really happy to always book Delta and continue to do so. But I wanted to try a brand new airline that's just recently showed up in the space, Um, It's been making its way um, across a lot of Disney influencers, Disney creators, content creators, and the airline was called Breeze Airways or Breeze Airlines. I think it's Breeze Airways officially, Um, but they started a new route um, that they offered specifically that was catering to a lot of Disney creators because it was the only airline to offer a direct flight with zero stops from Orange County John Wayne Airport over to MCO Orlando International Airport. Um, Now, there's currently no way besides that airline to fly direct from John Wayne Orange County over to Orlando, Florida in their Orange County. So it's essentially an Orange County to Orange County flight. Um, Now, you can do that on Delta, American, United, Southwest um, currently right now, but you always have to stop. Um, You have to stop somewhere in the middle of the U.S., maybe even go really far north. Sometimes, depending on the airline, you might have to go all the way up to Seattle, and then you can go to Orlando from there. So it can be a long travel day if you're wanting to choose to fly out of John Wayne Airport. In addition to that, you're probably going to pay a pretty large premium to fly out of John Wayne Airport um, because it's just so much more convenient uh, to do that. So there's like a, a fee tacked onto that. Probably more expensive for the airlines to operate out of there as well, too. So as you can imagine, I was enticed to try it for this reason, as have been a lot of other people. So um, they are considered a budget class airline. So something similar to like a Spirit Airlines, a Frontier Airlines. Uh, So they offer really low competitive pricing, but they do that by giving up a lot of features that would be standard on some other airlines. So uh, for instance, personal items that you bring on like a backpack or a purse would not be included on the cheapest ticket. Um, In addition to carry-on items, also not included in the cheapest ticket. And then of course, checked luggage, which most airlines don't include either. Um, but, uh, the cheapest ticket wouldn't really offer anything. So once you start adding on different bags and things you bring with you, the ticket prices can increase a little bit still though, staying more value based. But I had been seeing a lot of reviews for this airline online and they were actually really negative, uh, for the most part, extremely negative. There were some really positive YouTube videos about it and the in-plane experience and how nice the planes were. Now, there were no arguing. Um, Breeze Airways has brand new planes, right? They're all Airbus A220s for the most part, which are brand new planes, I think just over a year, under a year in service. Um, And they do have different class seats throughout the airline plane as well, too. So there was different options for different flying experiences, even within Breeze Airways. Now, the way Breeze Airways breaks it down is three different categories. There's nice, nicer, and nicest. Nice would be your main cabin. It's going to be three to a row on each side of the plane, Um, a aisle seat, a middle seat, and a window seat. Um, And it's going to be pretty cramped when it comes to legroom and pretty bare minimal seats. There's no screen on the back of the seat in front of you. It's going to be a really basic seat with minimal padding um, to kind of get you through from one side of the of the country to the other. So um, just a basic flight to kind of get you over the nothing too out of the ordinary snacks are not included, things like that. Um, the next category would be your nicer category. This is going to be more leg room, um, less seats, you know, next to you, etc. They're a little bit more spaced out, um, but still kind of a more basic seat, just a little bit more leg room for those particular guests. This is kind of like the middle front of the plane. Then there's the nicest category, which would be seats that are in any other airline, a first class seat. They are for all intents and purposes, a first class seat. They're extremely wide, um, very, very comfortable, very plush. They have leg rests that pop up like recline as well as the back reclining. And it is two per row like you would typically find in a first class, you know, domestic short range flight like it is from East Coast to West Coast or something like that. So it is a nice seat um, and the nicest seat category does come with like all the bags you want to check and bring with you. So it's like typically what you would expect and still 
pretty cheap when it comes to other airlines in comparison. Um, so I booked the nicest category to get more legroom, have a nicer seat, and enjoy my experience flying from Orange County to Orlando. Um, and, you know, fast forward to the day of travel, and um, we were leaving John Wayne Airport boarded the the plane arrived to the airport a little bit early so it didn't arrive on time they were giving us an estimate about 30ish or so minutes late and it did arrive eventually the plane deboarded they were able to clean it we got on the plane in just over i think just under 40 minutes of delay uh we got on the plane and then we sat on the plane and didn't go anywhere for another almost 2 hours um with no real updates other than the airline said that, um, or specifically, sorry, the pilot said um, that he had done his numbers wrong. I don't know what that means. And then he came out for another update later on and said that the plane had actually too much fuel because they had done their numbers wrong and they put too much fuel in the plane. So they had to redock back to the gate um, and they had to take fuel off the plane. He said that he had never encountered this before in his flight experience. Didn't really have too much confidence in what he was saying, but we pulled right back into the gate, sat there for a little bit longer. Um, Come to find out, they didn't have to take any fuel off the plane at all. In fact, the pilot just did his numbers wrong. So we were able to take off anyway and could have completely bypassed that entire almost two and a half hour delay um, completely had the pilot just done his numbers right from the beginning. So uh, not a lot of confidence there, but we inevitably took off and landed in Orlando. uh, And I made it there um, just over two hours of delay. Um, Breeze immediately contacted me via text message and said they gave us a $25 credit or $20 credit to our account in points um, that we could use towards another flight for that little bit of a delay. They acknowledged it without me even having to say anything. So I thought that was kind of nice, but still... Not the best experience overall as far as the plane arriving late and then leaving late. And then the reason we left late was for a reason that wasn't even valid at all anyway. So um, overall, though, in regards to the plane, I can't say enough good about the nicest category. Those seats were amazing. So comfortable. So, so plush. So um, enjoyable for that long flight. Um, The attendant on the plane was really... Uh, nice and friendly, offering us every kind of snack and drink that they had available since we were in the nicest category. Um, Really, really a positive experience on the plane itself with the staff, like the flight attendant staff, um, and just the seats themselves and the the, uh, niceness of a brand new plane like that. Um, Fast forward, though, to when I actually had to... Well, before I actually do that, Let me talk about first the person I was sitting next to on my flight to Orlando. She was actually flying back home and had already taken Breeze Airways to John Wayne Airport. For her flight from Orlando to John Wayne Airport, they were actually delayed so much so that they weren't able to land anymore at John Wayne Airport. Now, if you don't know, John Wayne Airport being a small local airport has um, a curfew because there's a lot of expensive homes in Newport Beach around John Wayne Airport. And uh, they don't want loud planes taking off and landing in the area. So they had reached a point in the night where they were no longer allowed to land in John Wayne because of how delayed the plane was. So they were diverting to LAX. This was unfortunate for her because her transportation was arranged at John Wayne Airport. But she was going to make do with being at LAX instead. However, when the pilot went to land in LAX, um, they were not confident with the level of fog at LAX International Airport. Um, So they almost landed at LAX and actually began their descent, but pulled up last minute and again diverted for a third time to Las Vegas. So this customer was now faced with being in Las Vegas, being dropped off at the airport there in Las Vegas um, at almost midnight with no accommodations um, to stay the night, um, no rebooking information. And that's the problem with a newer budget airline like this is there's no one to call. Uh, And this was kind of an experience we saw right on the news when Spirit Airlines had its whole debacle. The same thing happened with Southwest. Um, There either was very few available people to call with like busy constant lines, or in the case of this airline, they're so new, they don't even have customer service, only a phone number that you can text message. So 
This customer was left on her own at almost midnight to try to find a hotel in Las Vegas and rebook her flight somehow back to John Wayne Airport in Orange County to get to where her transportation was and where she was meeting her family. So that was her experience. Um, but let's fast forward a little bit now to my experience coming home. So coming home on Breeze Airways, I actually was delayed over five hours, almost six hours, um, to the point where I wasn't really confident that they were going to be able to um, get me home on the same day. And I really couldn't miss work after the vacation. So I made my own arrangements to come home myself. Um, But when we got to the gates, everything seemed fine. The plane was already there. Um, but they ran into a maintenance issue during inspection of the plane. Um, there was some sort of uh, tape or something on the wing that needed to be adjusted. And um, they have no maintenance people at the airport because, again, they are a small airline. Um, so everything was contracted out. And the closest person they could contract out was in Tampa, Florida, which is, for those that don't know, over an hour and a half away from Orlando International Airport. Um, so... They had to wait for someone to become available and then dispatch from Tampa, which took the reason why it took so long. Um, But they weren't sharing us this information. They were just keeping us in the dark, saying that they were waiting for this person to come and that it would be another 30 minutes. And they kept doing that until we were approaching five, six hours of delay uh, with no real updates. It wasn't until a lot of the other passengers started getting pretty upset with the gate agents um, that they actually shared the information of what was actually going on. Um, But again, the same situation happened where there was no one to really contact because there's no phone number you can call. So I did text message their team and actually did hear back from someone in about four hours. Um, And they did say that they would um, cancel my flight for me and refund me the remaining money uh, that I would have paid to fly from Orlando to Orange County for my ticket. So they refunded my money and actually was able to book literally the last remaining seat for a nonstop flight from Orlando to LAX now um, on Delta. So I had no transportation arranged from LAX, so I had to figure that out as well too. Um, But at that point, I really just wanted to get home, and I was only confident that Delta was going to do that. So I left the terminal where I was and headed to the Delta side, booked my ticket, ended up being out extra money to book a ticket on Delta, but... Essentially learned my lesson, and I won't be booking that airline anymore. Now, that other horrible experience I told you about in regards to the the lady I was sitting next to who had that horrible experience of being diverted to Las Vegas, she is confidently going to be booking Breeze Airways again. She said she's totally fine. Um, she understands it's a budget airline, um, but it's the only airline, she said, that accommodates a direct flight from Orlando to Orange County, and she flies that route very regularly. So she was okay with the potential risks and hazards of flying on the airline with these potential delays and cancellations. Um, for her, it was worth it for the not only cheap price that they offer, but also the direct flight that no other airline offers. So um, if any other airlines listening, I would behoove you to offer a similar offering. So I feel like you might get a lot of people to jump on this one. But for me personally, Um, I have no complaints with the staff or flight attendants on the airline. All amazing, all really great. The airplanes themselves, super awesome. Um, I can't say enough good about the airplane. Brand new plane, really, really nice. Um, Loved the nicest accommodation seats, the first class seats that they had there. Loved it. Um, I wish I could say that I would want to do them again, but... I'm already a nervous traveler as it is, so not having confidence that my airline would get me there on time, I think was the biggest no for me and why I would probably never book them or recommend them to anyone. I personally was out extra money to try to book my own flight home on another airline, um, and I really wasn't going to fight beyond what I already asked for um, and got in return. They did give me a credit in addition to the money back that I paid for the flight to book another flight on Breeze Airways, but I just don't think I'm going to do it. So uh, I might actually book it for another friend who wanted to try it out as well, and I'll just let them have that credit. Um, So all I can say is if you are okay with potential delays and cancellations, um, and it's not a big deal to you, um, I would say try out Breeze Airways if you want to. Um, You cannot beat the pricing 
uh, in all honesty, it's an amazing price that they're offering for, for direct flights from Orange County to Orlando. So if none of those other things matter to you and you're a little bit less of a worried traveler, um, I'd say try it out if you'd like to. Um, but keep in mind and go in with the right expectations, right? Um, but you, you won't be unhappy with the plane accommodations. And um, I feel like the service level that you receive on the plane, you won't be unhappy with that either. I think the issues that you're going to run into are not really having customer service to talk about in regards to changes and cancellations and stuff like that. Um, not a lot of updates when it comes to delays, um, no justifications for delays or anything like that. Um, and also last minute changes to your itinerary without, without really any say on your, on your behalf. So I guess weigh the pros and cons on that, but I wanted to talk about that experience because that was a big part of my trip this time was trying out this airline. Um, a lot of people recommended it to me, so I wanted to try it. Other people that I know that took it had great experiences. Other people had poor experiences and a lot of negative reviews online. But like I mentioned, for me personally, I won't be taking them anymore. Um, I had a good flight on the way to Orlando, but, uh, that's about really all I can say positive about the airline. Um, I wish them all the best. I hope more airlines would offer, um, this route, um, and hope more consider offering this route. Um, but for me, uh, I won't be taking them again and I guess I'll be sticking with Delta. So moving forward, that's where I'll be booking my flights to and from Orlando. Now that that travel experience is out of the way, let's get into some of the questions you all had about my trip to Walt Disney World and some things you had in regards to planning you're doing for your upcoming visits to Walt Disney World or questions you've had about potentially maybe planning a visit to Walt Disney World. Starting off first with transportation. Um, now, of course, we know prior to the shutdown, Disney World offered um, airport transportation from Orlando International Airport to Walt Disney World Resort, which is about a 35 to 45 minute drive, depending on traffic. Um, they had the Magical Express. This was free to all guests that were staying on Walt Disney World Resort property, and it was another incentive for guests to be able to book on property and not have to worry about any transportation needs um, while they were there visiting Orlando. However, um, one of the things Bob Chapek, when he was CEO, got rid of was the Magical Express. So right now, as it stands, there is no included transportation to and from the airport for Walt Disney World Resort guests, whether or not they're staying on hotel property or not. So a lot of people have um, a lot of questions about kind of what's the best option for them and what should they do if they're planning to visit Walt Disney World Resort. Now, if you're used to the Magical Express and that bus service that was offered before, it still sort of remains intact as it is at the Orlando International Airport. Um, it was owned and operated before by Mears. Disney partnered with Mears to put on the Magical Express, um, and Mears continues to offer that transportation now through a service called Mears Connect, and they offer um, per adult, per child pricing, and that you can book in advance or even same day um, for transportation to your Walt Disney World Resorts area. Um, tickets are pretty cheap. It's about $15 for an adult, $12 for child, and they even offer discounts for round trips if you want to book them on the way back to the airport later on at the end of your stay. So um, they do have um, those shared bus services. Now, just like the Disney Magical Express, no different. You're going to get on buses that are going to more than one Disney Resort hotel. So you might have a little bit of an extended trip because you might be dropping off at two or three other hotels before your own. Um, so that's how you save a little bit on the money if you don't mind um, having a little bit of an extended trip. Mirrors Connect also offers an express service, um, which is a round trip only service um, specifically for your family. So if you don't want to deal with that bus and you just want private transportation, um, that's going to be there for you to go to the hotel and there for you to bring you back. They offer that. Um, it's going to be a little over 200 anywhere from 200 to $250 for that round trip, but that's going to be up to four people. So it's a pretty good fee amount for uh, that transportation and nice having like essentially an express ride all the way to your hotel. And it's going to be in a big van, so it can accommodate the luggage, 
Um, you know, you might always not be able to get a, a van or, or, or a car large enough to accommodate on Uber or Lyft. Not to mention that, but it might add up to be a lot more than $200. So knowing that you have this planned in advance and available to change if necessary, Mirrors Connect is a really great option. And essentially, it's the same thing as it always was uh, with the Magical Express, but now it's totally separate. So I wanted to mention this one specifically because a lot of people wonder, how do I get to the air from the airport to Disney World and then vice versa? So Mirrors Connect, check it out. You can go to mirrorsconnect.com check out pricing there. You can book it, whatever you need to do. But it's essentially the same thing as it was before, just without the Disney brand. Now, another option I highly recommend to anyone I know that's traveling to Walt Disney World is renting a car. Um, you can get some really great deals out there, especially from Avis and Budget. Um, Hertz tends to be a little bit more on the pricier side, but maybe you can find deals out there. Lots of things through like the, the hotel websites like Hotels.com, kayak all those travel websites you can get some really great rental car deals through them sometimes also don't be afraid to check with your employer sometimes people who work for larger corporations or even smaller corporations their companies offer discounts um on rental cars too so always worth checking it out but for me personally i have to have a rental car whenever i go to walt disney world i like the freedom of being able to go wherever i need to go when i need to go um, relying on Walt Disney World transportation internally can take a really long time, especially if you're trying to get to timed things. You've got a fast pass coming or, I mean, a lightning lane coming. You have a dining reservation at this hotel or in Disney Springs, or you want to make this shop before it closes at this time. It's really hard to do that unless you're paying to Uber, and that can really add up. For me personally, I was able to get a rental car for the entire length of my seven-day visit, uh, at only $205, I think it was, for a 25% discount, which Avis Rental Car offers a lot of the time. Um, I just get those little promotions in my email from having rented from them before, and I just booked it. It's a really nice and convenient thing. I got a Toyota Prius uh, that I was able to run and accommodate during my whole trip, and I think because it's a hybrid, I only ended up spending $11 in gas for the entire length of stay, and we were driving all over the place in Walt Disney World. So definitely worth the money and freedom. I think if you're staying on property at Walt Disney World Resort Hotels, they don't charge for parking. So that's another incentive too, to rent a car. There's no overnight charging fee. This was um, something that they had in place during like the COVID era. They were charging parking again, but they have returned to being free parking. Now, the only time you are going to get charged parking is parking at the resort uh, theme parks. Now, for me personally, I'm a, I'm a annual pass holder at Walt Disney World, so parking is included on every level of annual pass that they have over there at Walt Disney World. So that wasn't a problem for me. However, um, you can um, you know park for free at some of the resort hotels if you have dining reservations there. So if you want to have a dining reservation in the morning and you're planning on having breakfast anyway or you want to come back for dinner later on, you can, of course, go to those dining reservations um, and then you know park your car there as well so you don't have to pay for those particular instances. So that's another way to park as well too. But um, you know, you want to add up parking at the theme parks for each day of your visit to see if that plus the rental car is worth the convenience for you as far as the cost that you have to incur. Um, but I can't recommend that enough. Everyone always asks me transportation. Um, if you don't want to drive and you just want to work and you just want to rely on Disney transportation, maybe you're staying at a hotel that offers the monorail. Maybe you're staying at a hotel that offers the Disney Skyliner or you're staying at a hotel that offers boat transportation. Um, or you're okay with taking the Disney Resort buses. That's fine. Um, I would say for your transportation from the airport, though, definitely use Mirrors Connect. So cheap. $15 per person each way. You can't get better than that um, in an Uber for sure. And it's, um, you know, you can sit back in the bus and let someone else do the driving. So, however, my biggest recommendation is going to always be to rent a car. I like the freedom, especially if you're doing things too, like going to Universal. Um, because arranging all that transportation through third parties is just going to add up really fast. Um, and I think the biggest benefit besides everything else I mentioned before, if you have your own car, you can go to a nearby Target or a nearby grocery store like Publix, 
get some flats of water, some snacks for the hotel room, some quick breakfast grab-and-go items. Um, it really makes it save a lot of money, especially when it comes to water bottles at Walt Disney World. So transportation, hope that cleared up a lot of my recommendations. A lot of people had that question. I think I got that more than 10 times. So I uh, hope that answered any of those people that asked that question in regards to transportation. What do I do? I rent a car, but if you want to use the buses or any of the other transportation that's available to you, um, use Mirrors Connect to get to and from the airport. Another question I received a lot was in regards to park hopping. Um, a lot of people were wondering if it was worth adding the park hopping option to their ticket and whether or not they needed to do this. I think if you're visiting for your first visit to Walt Disney World, park hopping is going to seem so impossible and so overwhelming, you're probably never going to want to do it. Um, so I wouldn't recommend doing it. Park hopping um, at Walt Disney World is not very easy. The theme parks are not close to each other at all. The only park that is really offering easy park hopping access would be either from Epcot to Disney's Hollywood Studios or vice versa, or Epcot to the Magic Kingdom and vice versa via the monorail. So, uh, but even then, those transportations to and from those parks still take a really long time um, and makes park hopping more difficult than it would be if you're used to only visiting, say, the Disneyland Resort, where you can just hop from one side of the Esplanade to the other. So, um, I feel like all the parks at Walt Disney World are pretty overwhelming and have a lot of stuff to do in them on themselves if it's your first time or maybe you're visiting for the first time in a really long time. Um, I feel like there's so much to do at the parks. You really don't need to offer or add, excuse me, the park hopping option to your tickets. Um, if you have a rental car, it's a little bit easier to do park hopping. If you aren't using a rental car, like I mentioned, there are transportation options available to you to tran to transfer between the two parks in addition to if you're only using the buses to get around Walt Disney World Resort which is included for any guest staying at a Walt Disney World Resort hotel they do have park hopping buses so where you go to pick up a bus to go to and from your hotel they actually have buses that go to other theme parks so if you're at Disney's Magic Kingdom and you want to head over to Animal Kingdom and park hop to go over to, let's say, Pandora later in the evening to see it at nighttime, you can wait in the Disney's Animal Kingdom section of the bus depot uh, to take a bus directly over to Animal Kingdom um, and so on. So sometimes they offer the park hopping buses, not always. Um, if you're in a bus situation and there's no park hopping buses available, you can always take any first available hotel bus back to a resort hotel and then at that hotel take another bus to the park that you're trying to get to so keep that in mind um, it is like I mentioned a lot more difficult to park hop I would say I would only add the park hopping option if you have a rental car or if you're really confident in getting around the Walt Disney World Resort and feel like you are going to have just the stamina to last from like open to close. Because it, in my opinion, <laughs> most people get pretty tired in the Florida sun about midday and the thought of having to park to an, park hop to another theme park and continue that on um, throughout a, another theme park there, more walking, more energy being exhausted um, is just a really tiring uh, experience. So I, I wouldn't recommend it. You can save a lot of money by not adding the park hopping option. And I feel like just visiting one theme park per day and then maybe spending the rest of the time going back and enjoying all the cool and amazing amenities at your resort hotel is probably the better option if you are finished early and maybe done in one of the theme parks. But don't forget, you can always also add the park hopping option to your ticket at any point during your stay. So if you don't add it and then you get there and you feel like you want to change your mind, you can always add it. Uh, so it's not something you have to do in advance only. You can add it afterward. But if you're asking my opinion, I don't think it's really necessary to add. Personally, I almost rarely, if ever, park hop. Um, and I only ever did it in the past on days where they had extra magic hours in the evening, which right now they're not offering just yet. But if you listened to the podcast earlier, we talked about how that change was coming soon for guests staying at the deluxe resort hotels. The next question I got that I wanted to answer was, which theme park has the best food at Walt Disney World? 
And man, this was a really tough one for me because there's a lot of great options at a majority of the parks there, but I would definitely have to say it's going to be Epcot for sure. Not only is there probably some sort of festival going on at Epcot when you're there, chances are, (laughs) Uh, whether that's the Festival of Holidays, the Flower and Garden Festival, the Food and Wine Festival, or the Festival of the Arts in January and February. Uh, There's always some special food going on, as well as World Showcase, all the different food available in each of the countries, as well as drinks available. Some of the new awesome cafes they've added in some of the renovated areas of Epcot. So there is a lot of diverse and amazing options available here. For picky eaters, for non-picky eaters, for people that want to experience different cultures and foods from other countries, Epcot is really unbeatable when it comes to food, in my opinion, and um, offers the best dining experience at Walt Disney World. Now, I would also say Disney's Animal Kingdom Park has some really amazing and diverse options, too, including my favorite quick service restaurant, Satuli Canteen, over in Pandora World of Avatar. But um, there's a lot of great table service dining options in Animal Kingdom as well, too. So I would say it's a really close second, but Epcot definitely peaks out above for basically diverse options available and just really the best kind of food you'll ever get at a Disney park. The next question I got was, should I stay in a Disney value resort, a moderate resort, or a deluxe resort? And some of you might be asking, what does that even mean? (laughs) For those that maybe are Disneyland locals. Um, So, you know, at Disneyland Resort, we don't really have different accommodation, like, types, um, because we don't really have all that many hotels, right? We kind of sort of have this, I guess you could say, if you broke it down. Disney's Paradise Pier Hotel would be our value resort, um, the Disneyland hotel, maybe you could offer or say is our moderate resort, um, even though it's more deluxe when it comes to accommodations and pricing. Um, and then you could categorize Disney's grand Californian hotel and spa as a, as a deluxe resort. But in all reality, when it comes to pricing, um, they all would be considered, you know, a deluxe resort over at Walt Disney world. So, They do have different categories. So to break it down for you, the value categories are going to be um, your hotel accommodations that are the cheapest entry-level option into Walt Disney World. And there's actually a lot of options here and a lot of really great options too um, that have some really nice room accommodations, especially rooms that have been recently renovated, like the All-Star Resorts, the Pop Century Resort, um, and also resorts, even though they're value category, offering some amazing transportation options like Pop Century Resort being a value resort, but offering accommodations for transportation on the Disney Skyliner, uh, which goes to Epcot as well as Disney's Hollywood Studios. So some really great options for you there. Um, as far as moderate resorts, um, I like a lot of these resorts the most. Um, these are going to be rooms that offer a little bit more of a nicer accommodation in the rooms um, and a little bit more like uh, like theming and um, more luxurious, I guess, type of experience with more amenities. Sometimes these resorts have spas. Sometimes they have larger pools. Um, they have different kind of dining options that aren't available at the value resorts. Um, things that just make them a little bit of a step above from the value resorts, um, still very affordable at almost all times of the year. Um, and again, some that have multiple variations of transportation options. In the case of moderate resorts, you have like buses and boats. And then for, um, the deluxe resorts, this would also include deluxe villas too, which would be Disney vacation club villas. And these resorts would be the most expensive option at Walt Disney world, um, offer the nicest room accommodations and typically, Um, are the closest in proximity to the theme parks, which is why they would be in that deluxe category. So they're either going to be within walking distance of some of the theme parks in the case of like Disney's Contemporary Resort or Disney's Grand Floridian Resort, um, or they're going to be like a quick monorail ride away, a quick boat ride away, or um, in the case of Disney's Riviera Resort on the Skyliner, um, but a quick stop to um, Epcot on the Skyliner very close. So Lots of options for those guests as well, too. Um, Lots of different categories and price points. 
Sometimes you can even get them as low as in the low 100s for the value resorts per night, depending on time of year and discounts available. Um, and then as far as, you know, in the thousands per night for some of the deluxe and deluxe villa categories. So it all really depends, but there's a bunch of variations in price. Um, and which one, people always ask me which one I think is the best. Um, I, I mean, of course, obviously staying in a deluxe type of room or accommodation would be super fun and a great experience. I was able to book a couple nights on my last trip in a deluxe resort for the last half of my trip. Um, but for the most part, I tend to find myself booking the moderate resorts. I feel like they're um, really great accommodations, really beautiful landscaping and um, resort theming. Um, I this last time stayed at Disney's Port Orleans Resort, Riverside. Um, Port Orleans Resort is a huge resort. It has two sections, Port Orleans French Quarter and Port Orleans Riverside. Um, I typically try to stay at Port Orleans Riverside. I'm not a big French Quarter person. Um, it's just kind of more of a more relaxed kind of resort getaway feeling to it. Another great option would be Disney's Coronado Springs Resort. Um, and these are all moderately priced, like in the low 200s per night, maybe high 100s per night, depending on when you go, if you can get a good deal on it. Sometimes they might be in the 300s, depending on if you're going like midsummer in a busy peak time around Christmas. So it all kind of depends, but it's definitely more affordable than the resort hotels at the Disneyland Resort. So uh, you're definitely in a different category there. Um, and they all offer bus transportation, boat transportation, and a generous parking and free parking for guests that have a vehicle that's either their own or one that they're renting. So um, all good things to keep in mind. I would say for me, I like the moderate resorts if I'm booking myself. Um, of course, I would love to stay deluxe, but um, it's not always a possibility. Um, but even in the deluxe category, you can find some cheaper rooms too um, if you're going to like, say, Disney's Animal Kingdom Lodge, um, which might be on the cheaper end because it's not really close to any theme parks other than Disney's Animal Kingdom Park, which is a little bit farther from the rest of the resort. So um, keep that in mind too when looking for different things. But I want to share that one, just a quick breakdown of the different types of resorts and also which one I tend to find myself staying at the most. And lastly, the number one question I received more than any other question was, when's the best time of year to go to Walt Disney World? And I feel like this question is so hard to answer. Um, I used to know right off the bat what to say every single time, and I would always say the beginning of December is the best time to go because the the weather is really mild in Florida when it comes to extreme either heats or cold. Um, not a lot of rain and usually low crowds, but ever since the shutdown and the reopening of the parks, it really kind of changed everything. And there's not really a slow season anymore. Um, this was my first time going in May. I was shocked at how mild the weather was in May. I think a lot of people really do go enjoy going in April and in May for that reason. Um, so it may be something I try to do again in the future. Um, I really do love going at the beginning of December though, because you are in that Christmas decor, Christmas holiday season. And if you go at the very, very beginning of December, you can usually get a lot of that cheaper pricing. Um, and you're usually beating the crowds that are trying to book their vacations to coincide with the Christmas holiday season or Christmas holiday breaks. And a lot of times schools aren't out yet at the beginning of December. So they're usually out towards the middle of December. Typically when we were going at the beginning of December, we were checking out of our hotel and leaving Orlando around the time the majority of the massive crowds were arriving. So it's also not a hot time in Florida, obviously, um, although there can still be a lot of rain since it's the beginning of their winter time um, and it can get pretty cold. They can have freezing temperatures in Orlando um, pretty regularly in the winter season. So that's a big difference between us and, you know, the West Coast in Southern California versus where Orlando is. They get some extremes with weather. Um, I've been midsummer before. It's pretty tough. It's crowded. It's probably the hottest I've ever experienced. Um, you can get some really great discounts and special offers like I talked about for resort room rates and things like that. If you're going in September um, late August, early September, that's kind of the height of the hurricane season in Florida. So a lot of people try to avoid that period. Um, 
but you can get some really great deals if you book your trip around that time, so that's something to keep in mind. However, keep in mind, since it is hurricane season, the weather's going to be really muggy, really humid, and typically pretty hot. So if you're um, able to get through that and uh, navigate that hot weather and you're um, okay with that, then uh, it might be worth the savings. Plus, it's kind of a fun time to go to in addition to being there, you know, during the Halloween season and seeing the park decorated for that at each of the different parks as well, too. So something to consider as well. I've never personally gone in the middle of winter, um, which is why I've never seen the Epcot uh, Festival of the Arts. Um, So I'd have to, I can't really speak on that, like the January, February season. I know Mondo from Five Fires, he's gone in February and really, really enjoyed it, especially the cooler weather. So that could be another option as well too. Keep in mind though that um, Disney does do a lot of renovations and refurbishments in the months of January and February. So that's another thing to consider as well too, as far as ride closures and the shows and other things you might want to experience. Also, if water parks were high on your list, you might have to pick your trip to go during a hotter season too because they are not open all year round and some of them do close during the off colder seasons to go through their renovations and refurbishments. So hope that answered some of the questions I received from a lot of you guys in DMs and emails and stuff like that. Um, I could go on for so much more in regards to Walt Disney World planning and my experience. Overall, I had a great, excellent trip. Uh, barring any of the travel nightmare that I experienced. Um, the Disney World experience was so much fun. Uh, I had a great time every single day, and I'm working hard on the videos that I took during that trip um, to hopefully put those on the YouTube channel for you guys to see kind of my vlog experience on those days that I was there. So I took a lot of footage. I'm hoping to get like two, maybe three videos out of it, most likely just two videos. Um, and I'll put be putting those up throughout the week. Um, so if you're not subscribed to my YouTube channel, Just Ask Danny, make sure you're subscribed to that uh, so you'll see those coming out. Of course, this podcast comes out every Tuesday, uh, available for you to download after 5 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Um, next week, I'm going to have Mondo from Five Fires YouTube on, and we're going to talk about uh, all the latest Disneyland news and, of course, our Main Street topic for the week. Uh, so look forward to that. That's going to be next week. Uh, And then, of course, next weekend, I'll be headed back to Disneyland finally after my trip uh, to hopefully get that last ride in on Splash Mountain, um, at least during the day anyway. Um, And then also bring you the latest updates from Disneyland since it's been a while since I've just done my normal routine of going through Disneyland and seeing what's new, what's changed, and bringing you the latest construction updates there. But thanks so much again for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode, and uh, we'll see you real soon. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a good day.